All right, everybody, welcome back to Passport Playlist. Uh, this is our first show of the semester, Woo-hoo. and both I and DJ Global Spins would love to welcome you back. We're so happy to be here. Uh, my name is DJ Audio Voyager, by the way. And I am DJ Global Spins. Uh, if you're new here and haven't heard of our show before, we are an internationally based show. We have a new guest from a different country every week. Um, where's our guest from this week? We can't tell you. Whoa, you surprise. You guys stick it in there. Exciting. Uh, like, just wait for us. Um, we have them prepare a little, like, playlist for us, too, for, like, music from their home country or the country of their travels. Um, sometimes, you know, they're professors. Sometimes they're a student. Yeah. Sometimes you just don't know. It's like a little Pandora's box here. Yeah, it's, always it's just a, good, a surprise. It's always a good surprise. It's a good time. Yeah, how was your Christmas break? It was good. Yeah, I stayed home for probably the first half, and then I went skiing a little bit with friends, and then I did a road trip to New Orleans. So it was busy for the last half, but super good. Yeah. Good rest time. The first half, I think, is usually for, like, recovering from the stress of the previous semester. Yeah. And then the rest of it is just, you know, actually having some fun, letting loose a little bit before going back. Definitely. How was yours? It was really good. Like I said, the first half was literally just like yeah. staring at a blank wall, like just trying not to overload myself anymore. Um, but this semester is looking a lot better than last semester. Good. I was super stressed out last semester. Yes. It was not healthy. Wild. Not at all. But yeah, this one's doing just much better. That's so good. Yeah. Um, so for those of you who are recurring buddies, um, a passport playlist you know that we do a little you know international news segment yeah. before our show every week update you on the world mm-hmm. would you like to kick us off global Swiss? i would love to so as most of you may know and i've talked about it in several of my classes which is amazing because a lot of classes you just talk about american things um yeah. so cool that they're bringing this up but all yeah obviously we've heard of the australian fires Mm -hmm. and so i read an article today that's really cool so pretty much just talking about how when there are disasters around the world um people get so much support which is amazing um and the australian community has talked about how they've just gotten so much support for the wildlife Mm -hmm. and also the people of australia um but they have kind of sent out a little update that Though the outpouring is so amazing, like they've gotten so much in that they have plenty. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so a lot of people were sending mittens for the koalas and Aww. yeah, to kind of help them. So they kind of sent out word that they have so much and the world has been so awesome and generous. And I feel yeah. like Australia is so far away that a lot of us just don't think of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really cool that people have just been pouring out, especially Canada. They talk a lot about um how good canada's been yeah so super cool but yeah i thought that was really neat that's heartwarming too i did see this one thing that was like this huge like news article i was like oh my god amazon's so generous they donated like six million dollars to the amazon thing they're like oh that's so great and then somebody retweeted it and they're like you know youtube donated like three times that amount and like anyways the money's like great but then like you think about it's like amazon yeah (laughs) like y'all make so much cash seriously like and so youtube much. wow yeah like youtube or maybe it wasn't youtube it was some band it was definitely a musician i think it was youtube i could see bono doing that oh oh i like thought you said youtube and i was no, like wow YouTube. oh youtube like the band yeah. oh dude that's awesome yeah 
I could totally see that happening. That's sick. But um, this is like technically international news. Technically not. Um, this is actually just a really sad subject, but um, it's kind of everybody may have heard of it by now. Um, but Kobe Bryant at the age of 41 has just died in an early morning helicopter ride in California, along with four other people in the helicopter and the, uh, TMZ just released. Uh, I don't know if this is true, but I feel like TMZ is a pretty reliable source that, um, his 13 year old daughter died alongside him in the crash. Um, that's really tragic. They're leaving behind, um... He had four children, so he's leaving behind three daughters, one of which I believe is a newborn, the oldest of which I think is 17, and his wife. Um, and so that's just really tragic. Yeah. Uh, luckily, nobody outside of the helicopter crash was killed because um, they went into a hillside, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, it's just it's really tragic. And I've never been a huge basketball fan or anything, yeah. but like that's just it's so sad to think about him. And everybody else who is in that helicopter. And I just feel like it's really important to, you know, talk about. And I don't know. I feel like they're pretty set, most likely. Yeah. Financially. Yeah. Which so is good. I think that's a good thing. But um, just for like support, you know. Yeah. And like it is. Thoughts and prayers would be good if you're the type of person to do that. Yeah. It is weird to hear about people that you've heard about your Mm -hmm. whole life and everyone knows his name like even if you don't know much about him you know who he is generally Mm -hmm. and so it's crazy to hear about people like that who i don't know have just passed away and it's so such a freak accident strange yeah and like they don't say what happened or anything that's just so unimaginable to have you know like to lose both your husband and your child yeah in the same day I mean, not imagine. that's just tragic. And just to be a 17-year-old girl who loses her father, I, I just, I don't know. I just really hope that they receive a lot of support from the community and they have a good yeah, community around them. Definitely. Because they're really going to need it right now. Crazy. But as for you, what's yes. your next piece of news? Um, this is also a bummer. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I don't know if you've heard, but there has been a an earthquake in turkey mm-hmm. so um yeah so a lot of people have been sent in to help with the rescue mm-hmm. but the death toll has rose to i think it's 36 right now um people and 45 people have been pulled alive mm-hmm. from the rubble so there still That's is good. hope but yeah it's it's crazy and so i don't know there have just been a lot of natural disasters recently it really does seem like that too you know yeah man because it's like you know you just it's so much around like nowadays like you can hear everything that's happening everywhere and it just gets to be so much because we live in a world of like instant news yeah and earthquakes are just so instant like yeah. when I was in New Zealand, we had three while mm-hmm. I was there for the three months that I was there. And they're so common in mm-hmm. New Zealand because it's on a fault line, um, which Turkey is as well. But yeah, it was just so strange. But everyone there is so used to them. Yeah. And then you have like massive, severe ones and you just you can't yeah. prepare for it. So, you know, it's just weird. There's uh, one thing that I think was told to us in like earthquake like awareness 
that mm. was actually wrong that I recently found out was wrong or at least partially. Yeah. Um, so you always heard when we were little, like if there's an earthquake, try to get into a door frame, right? Yeah. That is partially true. Like if you have like a bedroom door or something, if there's a door in like the doorway, mm-hmm. do not get under there. Because in the earthquake, that door can slam against you oh, and wow. hit you and like throw you into like falling like rubble area. Like Goodness. do not do that. Like if you have like an archway or something like leading yeah. into your kitchen or something like that, then that's really safe to go to. That's a very good idea. But otherwise, do not get into a doorway that has a door in it. Um, try to get under a structurally sound table. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I went to an earthquake museum because Christchurch is known as like mm-hmm. a quake city. Oh. Um, yeah, so we went to a um, a museum while we were there, one of my friends and I, and it was fascinating. They had a really, really bad one 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and I don't remember what the, it was like a six point something, but it was really bad, and yeah, they were saying all these, well, there was one part of the museum that was just stories from people. It was like similar to, you know, mm-hmm. 9-11 museums where they have people talking. Um, and yeah, one of the ladies said that she was out of school and she was in a door frame and the pretty much it was so bad that like half the floor just fell. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was just crazy to hear about the stories. It was like but. a sinkhole or something. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Well, this one's also kind of a little bit of a bummer. Um, it's about the Pope. Yay. We Woo-hoo. like to talk about the Pope here. Yeah. He's always doing something. He's always, you know, getting around, being active. Of course. Kind of appreciate that. Yeah. Cool um, but he gave a special prayer for the victims of the coronavirus that's mm. going around yeah. now. Um, so I just think that's uh, very nice because, like, there's a lot of panic going around in lots of, like, Asian countries and, like, China mm. and all that now. Like, they're getting really scared. And plus, like, I think there's been, like, what, three cases in the U.S. now? Yeah. And that's kind of sad. And, like, I looked up the um, symptoms and they're remarkably similar to, like, flu symptoms. Yeah, it's like a fever. Like, stomach ache, nausea. Yeah. Like, body pain. So, like, I think it, it's curable, right? Like, it's definitely curable. Like, I don't think you can have yeah. a vaccine to it. Yeah. But the good news is, guys, if you start experiencing flu-like symptoms, like it is in North Carolina now, I think that was one of the confirmed mm-hmm. cases. So just go to the doctor. Yeah. Catch it early. Do you know how it's um, transmitted? Oh, yeah. It's transmitted, I think, uh, through, like, you know, skin-to-skin contact, yeah. pretty much anything. I think it's also airborne uh-huh. and, like, you know... Like, if we touch the same thing and one of us yeah. is sick, like, it'll transfer like that. It's, it's basically just, like, the flu, except probably, like, a really bad version of the flu. Wow. That's um, crazy. So, just, guys, if you do get these symptoms, it is not flu season. Yeah. Go to the doctor. You'll be fine. Definitely. Just get, like, in bed. Don't be stubborn. It ain't cute. Go to the doctor. Yeah, seriously. Exactly. And we're so... Oh, we're in such close proximity to so many people yeah in if you're university metro- that we just yeah, yeah like a metropolitan Spreads area like crazy like don't do that y'all yeah especially like, if you're in a dorm oh my goodness yeah like my college goodness. of charleston just got over their whole m- mumps epidemic oh, yeah i heard about that yeah it was like 70 plus people who were like diagnosed with it on like college of charleston campus Jeez. luckily it's like contained now yeah that's so and good. like nobody's contagious anymore I think Christmas break helped. 
I mean, I think yeah. it like lasted a little longer than Christmas break, but it definitely helped having everybody go to their respective corners of the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. So guys, please, if you don't mind, get vaccinated. Yeah, definitely. And like, if you start feeling sick, go to the doctor. Yeah, always. Don't be idea. a hero. <laughs> be a hero, and lay out of work. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like nobody in the office wants to catch the coronavirus <laughs> from you. No, not at all. All right. Okay. My next piece of news. Okay. So I didn't really know about the Chinese New Year until I had a roommate from Taiwan. Mm -hmm. And I don't think a lot of people in the U.S. really know what it is. Unless you're like really interested in Asian culture Mm -hmm. or in, you know, because we don't really celebrate it here. So I thought I I saw a new piece of news that was just about like, what is it? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I thought I'd share that so the chinese new year is also known as the spring festival and it's like obviously celebrated um in asia um but yeah so in chinese tradition each year is named after one of 12 animals so this year as we know it's the rat yeah so yeah so in chinese culture rats were seen as a sign of wealth and surplus so mm-hmm. Yeah, just interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, 2019 was the year of the pig. So That's I know so cute. one of my friends from Hong Kong. She brought us all little little um, sachets. Yeah, and they had like pigs on them, and she mm-hmm. gave us a like some candy and stuff. But really That's sweet, adorable. Um, yeah, but pretty much schools and businesses close for the first few days, and uh, people just eat a bunch of food. And yeah, oh, a big thing is noodle soup, which noodle is interesting. Soup? But yeah, there are parades and performances and fireworks and stuff. But yeah, super cool. And it's oh. for two weeks. So oh, really? I think I think yeah. they've talked about, uh, I could be wrong, but one of my friends is talking about they might push it back or something because, because of, of the, the coronavirus. Vi- yeah, so that's crazy. So it might yeah. last, I think someone said, into early February yeah um or something like that yeah i really want to go to like i took a chinese class during 2018 which was year of the dog oh and so that was really fun we got to celebrate it a little bit and we like saw videos about it and now it is on my bucket list to go to beijing one year for chinese new year that would be so neat because like they go nuts for it yeah they're in shanghai but mainly beijing that's so really want to see it yeah there's so many things that happen around the world that people i mean we have fourth of july but mm-hmm. like every single country has we don't have a golden dragon no like, people do that. like that no it's so cool what it's people just celebrate and drunk people how they do it yeah. really busy hospitals Seriously. after yeah um <laughs> <laughs> yeah i live on the lake and people think it's super fun to just get really drunk and then try to drive boats so oh, we God. don't step on like we don't go out on the lake on on the fourth of july because it's mm-hmm. just crazy yeah, I can't blame you. God, I yeah. wouldn't even want to like go out on the dock. Yeah, like, it's wild. Gosh, but um, my next piece of news is from Peru. Uh, so they have an election coming up, just like us. Mm-hmm. Everybody, we have a Democratic uh, candidate election coming up. So you know, if you want to vote in that, go ahead and like register. I have to find absentee voting because I am not living in the county that I'm registered in. Mm. Um, so that's gonna be real fun. Yeah, I have but, to do that um, as well. So, yeah, but they have a election coming up, too, for Congress. And one of the candidates is a indigenous trans woman. 
And so that is just really cool. She yeah. seems like a really awesome person. That's awesome. And like we've never, I don't think, had a candidate or elected an openly trans person, no, let alone like, like an indigenous trans woman. Yeah. Like, and she's just, she's so brave for like coming out and doing that. And I think she has like a good little bit of support too. Wow. I mean, oh, she's a migrant too. Huh. And so that's really interesting. That's so cool. I'm just wishing her the best, honestly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Do you I have am, any more? No, I'm done. Okay, because I saved the best news for last, and I'm really, really awesome. excited about this bit. Can't wait. Okay. So, in Mongolia, yeah, there is a 1,000-kilometer horse race that they hold every year. And just so y'all know, I'm going to translate it to American. A thousand kilometers <laughs> is 650 miles. Insane. Insane. And it's literally 10 days, 650 miles, like 40, 50 people, like, who are just racing along Genghis Khan's ancient, like, mail route. And this 70-year-old man from Boise, Idaho, <laughs> an amateur horse rider, beat out all these professionals was not like a favorite to win in the beginning beat everybody that's insane. and like i don't know if there was a prize or not but like there's just a photo of him looking like a real happy fella what the heck that is crazy that is and so from cool. idaho you're like stepping on a whole different soil yeah that's just like i have so many questions yeah i know like do you bring your horse from idaho Oh, that's such a Do good question. Do you get a horse there and, like, get used to it while you're there? Yeah. And, like, how long would you have to give a horse time to get acclimated to, I assume, what yeah. would be the very rugged terrain of Mongolia? And how often do you stop? Yeah. How long In do you race. sleep for? Like, that's what is crazy. the strategy there? Wow. And the coolest part of this little article, it's in the New York Times if you guys want to read it because it's a really cool article. Uh, in 2013, they had their first woman win and their youngest person ever win, a 19-year-old girl. What? From, I think she was American, too, I believe. Sarah, what are we doing with our lives? I don't know. Nothing we're good. Like, I'm not We're older athlete. than her, and we haven't done yeah. that. Her name is Laura Pryor Palmer, and she's now uh, released a book, like a memoir of it, too. And she calls it uh, the Tour de France on unknown bicycles. And I'm like, honey, come on. That is so much cooler than the Tour de France. Like, That's so cool. That is so cool. Wow. And like, I just. <laughs> yeah, there's um, so awesome. a girl who's 21 and she just completed traveling to every single country in the world. She is the youngest person. And mm -hmm. I think the first female as well. I could be wrong about the female part, mm -hmm. but she's 21. She just traveled to every country in the world. My God. And after hearing that, I was like, I have a year left. I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I can. I've only gone to a few, but I can. I feel like <laughs> doing that, though, either you've got to start from like a super young age. Yeah. yeah. So like, she, her parents are both travel agents. Yeah. So by the time she was 18, which makes sense, but still, she did a lot by herself. Mm -hmm. I think she had been to um maybe 60 countries by the time she was 18 and mm -hmm. then she by the time she reached 18 she looked it up and saw what the youngest age was and she thought you know I could legitimately do this by myself she had saved up a lot yeah. of money and everything so yeah she she's also this is crazy this <laughs> is the coolest bit she went to North Korea so oh, she wow. asked I know this is so cool so she went to the border 
and she pretty much asked the people yeah. she like the guards and everything she said this is the last country that i need mm-hmm. to step in to complete all my country and uh, yeah she was like is that at all possible and they let her do it really isn't that crazy and you I know, know what? That's like especially hard because you can't just go willy nilly into different countries. Yeah. Because there's like so much like cross cultural tension. Seriously. Like I hear if you have a stamp in your passport from Israel, there are certain countries in the Middle East you are not allowed entry to. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter if you have a ticket, they will send you right back. Yeah. And, and same thing with North Korea. She went to so many by herself as well. It's just wild that I don't know. I'd love to travel by myself. I, I wouldn't would, be good at it, but I really want to go at least one place all by myself where I'm, like, very yeah. uncomfortable. Because I think it would just be such a learning experience. Yeah. It's, like, a really good thing to just, like, throw yourself out there. Yeah, exactly. Like, my brother kind of did that. Um, he moved to Thailand. Boy doesn't know a word of Thai. Yeah. He's not good <laughs> at languages. I definitely like the language. Yeah. I'm the, like, is it, like, polyglot or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm the polyglot of the family. And... He's, like, always, like, never been the adventurous one. That has been me. And he went to Thailand. I'm like, you stole my move. <laughs> How dare you? But, like, he has gotten, like, so much more adventurous since then. That's because amazing. he had to. Yeah. And, like, he's learned so much. He's gone out of his shell. He's become a little bit more extroverted. Like, he's hardly, like, a completely different person now. Yeah. But he has grown a lot. That's so good. Mm-hmm. So, like, I could definitely, like, recommend that for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, just make sure <laughs> yeah. you got, like, something there. Got a job safe. or something. Be <laughs> yeah, safe. Definitely. Yeah, watch out. Don't get snatched. Yeah, so that's a big one. Yeah, that's definitely a big one. Yeah. But, yeah, so I think we're both out of news now. So what we're going to do is we are going to jump into a little bit of our playlist. We're going to play three or four songs. I don't know. See if you can guess where our guest is from based off these songs. Yeah. Yeah, you can call in to the number. I do not know the number off the top of my head, but you know what? It's something, 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 WSE. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, also, I think it's really fun. I've been doing this recently, listening to songs from different countries and uh, trying to guess what language they're speaking because, you know, that's, yeah. Yeah. It's just a fun game. Try it. Yeah. Give it a whirl. I think some of them, most of them are in different languages. So, yeah. So, you know what? Y'all go ahead and do that. We're just going to have a little fun time in here and we'll be right back. Thank you for listening to uh, Passport Playlist, WSE uh, and HD1 Columbia. Hello, and we are back with Passport Playlist. I am DJ Global Spins, and we'll have our lovely guest introduce himself. If you want to go ahead and tell us where you're from and, yeah, a little bit about yourself if you want to. Sure. So my name is Chris Reed, and I am from the United States. Yeah. Wow. Surprise. Would not have gotten that from the music that was played. But uh, yeah, I work here on campus. I work in the Office of International Student Services, and I'm very happy to be here today. Amazing. Yeah, we're so happy to have you. I think I did my cultural training for one of the programs that uh, Mr. Reed, he leads, which is called Buddies Beyond Borders. If you want to explain that, it's super cool. And if you go to USC, I really suggest that you get involved in it. Especially if you're interested in any type of cultural anything or getting involved with international students. I know a lot of people I've talked with have said that they would love to get involved with internationals and just exchange students in general, but they just don't know how to get into it. So this is a great way that you can 
but if you want to explain what it is. Sure. So the Buddies Beyond Borders program is a it's a program that we have in the International Student Service Office, and it pairs up domestic students, such as our DJ here, uh, domestic students with international students that are coming over. Generally, it's promoted to new students, but we have students that have been here for a little while. We have students that have actually been here for several years that just want to take advantage of the program. We certainly don't turn anybody away. And so it's a, it's a really fun and easy way. It's, you know, the title, Buddies Beyond Borders. It's kind of what it sounds like. We're trying to foster friendship, get you connected with people. You can share your culture, you know, kind of get them acclimated to American culture. You can learn about their culture. It's a two-way street. It's really a fun program. It's fairly self it's autonomous. You know, you come to the training, which, as you just mentioned, you went through. The training is the Carolina Intercultural Training. So that is available for anybody, whether you want to be a buddy or not. It is a required training if you want to be a buddy, but you don't have to be a buddy to go through the training. And we do have a fair amount of people that come for that as well. And we offer those heavily at the beginning of semesters and then at least once a month throughout the semester. But we do it a lot, have a lot of those trainings at the beginning because that's when we make the buddies pairs. And so if anybody's interested, we have a lot of people to get trained at the very beginning. So That's really good. Uh, yeah, it's great. And I've got some great stories from folks, uh, people that I've paired up. And then I, I get a message from them a couple months <laughs> later, and they're like, my buddy was an exchange student from the Netherlands, and they went back. But I I just went and spent a month living with their family. And it's, it's really great. You have some Aww. great stories like that. Yeah. I So I had I've been doing it for a year and a half now and my buddy last semester was from Aruba but she is originally from China then moved to Argentina then she moved to Aruba and now she's studying in the Netherlands so she is just a super cool mix of (laughs) cultures and a lot of places that like I don't really know anything about Aruba um I knew that they spoke a weird language and that's pretty much it and that it's beautiful yeah and so I I don't know it was super cool, and I really enjoyed getting to know her. But um, the intercultural training is fascinating. There's so many things that you went over in the training that I've just never heard before, and I've shared it with so many people. Like, I don't know, so, so many things that you never really learn about unless you spend time with people from those certain countries. So super cool. Um, which state and city are you from? Oh, <laughs> uh, I am originally from Mississippi. Okay, and I am cool. from Vicksburg, which Amazing. if you studied the Civil War, that was a major battle there. So cool. the entire city is covered in monuments to battles. Nice. But uh, yeah, so I'm from Vicksburg, lived in Jackson, then I traveled around, got married, ended up in South Carolina, 2003. Amazing. And I've been here since 2003, except for a couple of years in the middle where my wife and I went overseas, which Super great. we can talk about later. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you would like to talk about it now, um, <laughs> yeah, Mr. <laughs> Reed has done some super cool stuff. He's uh, gone to a completely different culture. I, w- I really want to do this. I mean, like travel abroad, but also live in places when you actually live somewhere and you make connections and you network there and you make like genuine friendships. It just becomes so much different than just traveling or just going for a little bit of time. So if you want to tell us what you're doing there, where did you go, um, just kind of about your experience. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so I lived in Tanzania in East Africa for three and a half years. So, so cool. obviously I could tell a lot of different stories there. 
Um, uh, a little preface to that, I had worked with uh, resettled refugee communities, uh, the Somali Bantu. I was really volunteering a lot with that community, and that's what got me really interested in going overseas to Africa. And then when I was uh, previously, before going to Tanzania, I was also working in international student services. And at that time, I helped form the Pan-African Student Association, so Maybe. PANASA. I hope there's some PANASA folks listening because I put it out on the group me. I hope you tuned there. in. <laughs> uh, but PANASA, they just, uh, this last October, had their 10-year anniversary, so I'm wow. stoked about that. It's one of the things that I'm most proud of having been involved in to see uh, this little idea that myself and an, another gentleman also named Chris from uh, Ghana, uh, we kind of pulled it together and so came up with cool. this, and here it is 10 years later, and it's still vibrant and going on. It's, yeah, it's I, great. I went to an African night. That's them. Um, oh, it was yeah. so neat, and um, there were just a whole bunch of different things uh, about African culture. It was just super cool, so definitely yeah. look up that. Um, our listeners, you should get involved. It's super cool. That's right. PANASA, Pan-African Student Association. So I've had an interest in Africa for a while, so my wife and I at the very end of 2011, went over to the city of Mwanza, Tanzania. We have a city on this, uh, a, a song on the playlist that's actually Where about the city we lived in. Um, so we went over with a Catholic organization called Marinola Lay Missioners. My wife and I both have social work degrees here from USC. Oh, so awesome. we went over there and we worked with local organizations run by Tanzanians and got firsthand experience. Working awesome. over there, uh, I tried to learn Swahili. You're talking about yeah. being a, what you say, a polyglot of mm. being able to, yeah. Uh, not great with language. Very oh. good with English. <laughs> not great with anything else. Three and a half years of like full immersion into Swahili oh, and I just, not great. That's not a hard language great. to learn though, I've heard. That's not a super easy one. So It was, it's, it's, it was for me. It's my wife just, learned it better. I always like to tell yeah. the story that I, I knew that my wife was going to um, do, uh, that she was so far past my language abilities when I'm struggling to have like a basic conversation and I looked out in the front yard one day and she was having a conversation with a Tanzanian man. Uh, they had the hood of the truck up and they were having a conversation in Swahili about the sound that the engine was making. Okay. And I'm that like, I'm never going to get there. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, That's so, so neat that you tried, though, because I know a lot of people will move overseas. I mean, I have a cousin in Japan, which it is different. Her husband's in the Navy. Um, so you're on the naval base. It's a, it's a bit different. But um, she hasn't really put forth effort to learn Japanese. She just kind of hangs out with other Americans who are there, which... All power to her. That's awesome. But it is really cool that you made an effort because I know in a lot of countries um, when you try to learn the language at least or I don't know, just talk to them in what they're what they know. Um, it shows a lot about you and it, they really respect it. So, oh, yeah, they were always yeah. thrilled anytime that we could walk up and you know, because I, I mean, I couldn't like converse very well, but yeah. I could most definitely walk into town with a to-do list and get get it done. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just just the fact that we were trying really mm-hmm. really excited them. Did a lot of people in the town that you were in speak English, or what was some? It? But most people spoke Swahili. Okay. Yeah, it, I mean, but it was it was not hard to find English. Yeah. But for the most part, it was mm-hmm. functioned in Swahili. That's so interesting. So. Why specifically did you want to come back to USC? Did you like just love your studies here or, you know, what was your pullback to it? So I do love USC. I got an undergrad 
and a master's degree here. Oh, wow. And I taught as adjunct in the Bachelor's of Social Work program. And then I worked as a grad assistant and then a full-time employee. So really, I just need to get a PhD and get tenure. And I've kind of covered it all, I think. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, I don't know. I loved it. And I love Columbia. I I really, I mean, I liked college campuses. I like it. I like to be in an environment of learning. It was fun. So yeah, when, so it was a three and a half year contract in Tanzania. And when we were thinking about where to go back, I, you know, I, we were talking about all these different places, like we go to DC or Philadelphia or New York and everything. And then we just kind of slowly started talking and mm-hmm. we realized that we kind of wanted to come back here. We like the mm-hmm. pace of life here. It's a nice city, mm-hmm. big enough where there's stuff to do, but small enough where it's not overwhelming. Mm-hmm. That's great. And so, yeah, I called some people that I knew in the office and was like, Hey, I'm looking for a job. And they're like, well, here's a job description interview for this. Yeah. <laughs> and I, uh, I, I got the job. So I've been back since 2015. That's great. So yeah. Did your wife and you meet in college or did you meet at USC? We, well, we met doing uh, an, a year of AmeriCorps in triple C, the mm-hmm. national service program. Yeah. So we met there. So we were both sent to Denver. Nice. The AmeriCorps is like the Peace Corps, right? But it's for like actual national stuff instead of international, yep. right? Yep. It's like its sister program. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. It's like domestic Peace Corps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. There's a lot of different programs that fall under that. The NCCC was one where they put you on a team and you actually had like a base and then they sent you out for five different projects. So my wife and I both applied. She from New York, myself from uh-huh. Mississippi, and then we both got sent to Denver and then got sent out of region for a project in Miami, and we met in Miami. Wow. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. So, so what? Give a shout out to my wife. Hey, yeah. Caleb. And Woo-hoo. also my kids. Hey, Safi. Hey, Caleb. I know y'all are listening. Oh, so good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Talk about your kids. We were just talking about this, but this so is Sony they're, and they're, they're super cute. Oh. I'm not going to talk oh, a lot about them that for is, various okay. reasons. Totally fine. <laughs> but they are super yes. cute and I love them. They're and I know amazing. that they're listening and they're probably l- dancing to all Little the music Little shout out. They're awesome. Okay. Um, so what is your favorite thing about your job? Oh, what's my favorite thing about my job? Yeah. Well, uh, interacting with all the international students yeah. and people from around the world. You so know, cool. I had, I had fun. It was challenging living overseas, Tanzania. Yeah. Uh, some of the best experiences I've ever had in my life. Also, some of the most difficult experiences. But you know, it's life. Three and a half years. Yeah. It's not like a trip. Like, Definitely. and we got settled in over there. So, um, I miss it. I miss being an expat. My wife and I like to joke that like you don't have to actually be interesting as long as you live overseas. Because yeah. <laughs> all you have to do is be like, I live an expat, and everybody's like, Oh, that's so cool. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I miss that. So this is this job is a nice way to kind of still have that like I still get to meet people we have yeah. you know just shy of 2,000 international students on campus wow. by no means do I talk to all of them on the reg but uh, we have 98 different countries represented China That's being amazing. the largest and then down to like some countries that just have one person from that country but uh, yeah so we have people from all over so I get to work and interact with all of those people so I, I really do love that and then not so just the neat. just the people but just the I mean you have the access to you know, the cultural nights yeah. and the things. I just, I love that. It's great. It's so cool. And one of the really cool things, which I've experienced because I went overseas this summer and I didn't go with anyone that I knew, um, though I was meeting a family there, but I never met them or anything before. Um, but I, from living overseas, you kind of 
can understand some of the things that international students who come over here experience. So that is cool that you have, you know, been overseas in a whole different environment and you can relate to a lot of the students who come here and just kind of, you know, American culture is a lot different than most of the world. Um, we're quite similar to like Europe and Australia, but everywhere else we, I don't know, it is very different. So. Yeah, it is different. And that's a very good point. I do like the fact I can have um, like true empathy when a student's coming over with an issue, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's you know, having to do with visa issues or an immigration issue or work visa issues. I mean, I I dealt with all of that stuff when I was overseas. You get sick. It's really scary to get sick when you're far away from home. Oh, I'm sure. I got sick in Tanzania multiple times. Uh, I had to, won't bore you with the details at this moment, (laughs) but I had to get involved in a legal case when I was over in Tanzania. So I stole stuff from us and they caught them. And so we were pulled into the court system on that, which uh, was stressful (laughs) you know so like I know what it's like for that and then uh, one of the things that I do in my job is I oversee the student services for the uh, English program for international the EPI program which is an intensive English program so when those students come to me and they're struggling and they seem to be kind of beating themselves up because they didn't progress as fast as they wanted I'm like Mm -hmm. I get it man it's hard it's hard like I tried to learn a language I've tried to learn Spanish too not great at Spanish either like I get it Mm -hmm. uh and English, like, I wouldn't want to learn English. English is no. so, so hard. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's the ability to, like, help these people because I know, what, I know what it's like. I know what they've been through. That's really cool. And the EPI program is super cool. I've met a lot of students recently who are taking part in it. But pretty much it's students who come over here just to learn English, right. um, take English classes. So it's a really neat program. Um And it's cool that they are getting, like, I've met a lot of them on campus and through other friends, but it's cool that they're getting involved because I know I'd be really hesitant in a whole new country where I'm just now, like, trying to get better at the language. So, really cool. Um, What was your first impression of your, yeah, Tanzania? And then also (laughs) when you came back to the U.S., um, did you forget about anything or, you know, three years is quite a long time. So did when you came back pretty much, did you have like reverse culture shock when you experienced everything again? All right. Um, my so I'd actually been to Tanzania before. So my okay, cool. first uh, experience in Tanzania was in 2006. Yeah. And my wife and I went and spent two weeks in Tanzania and one week in Nairobi in the area around that in Kenya. And we went over there and we were immediately like, we want to get back over here. We want to live over here and stuff. But I remember the first time that I, I don't know, I, I, I kind of was like, oh, we're going to move over here. And I'm interested in, I was, had been working with the refugees and stuff. And I'm like, well, I'm going to get over here and I'm going to find my niche and I'm going to mm-hmm. going to be helpful and everything. And my wife already had the social work degree at that point. I had not at that time. But uh, I remember just getting off the plane and driving through the city at night and realizing, like, how small of a person I am. <laughs> That's yeah. not to say I couldn't make a difference, but I was just like, man, I was arrogant. Like, this is a huge, yeah. like, what am I going to do here? And I just remember being kind of humbled at that, which is not a bad experience to have. <laughs> Humility is very good when you're uh, dealing with living overseas. Um, when we went back in 2012 to live, we got picked up at the airport. 
It's a relatively small airport in the city of Monza, and we got picked up, and we were just stoked, and my wife and I were like, this is great, and some people that were with the same program that we were picked us up, and they loaded us up, and we go cruising out of this nice, on this nice paved road, and it's just beautiful, because the city, the the surroundings were very unique. Uh, They called it Rock City, because there's just these huge granite outcroppings, and it's just green everywhere, and it's just... It's beautiful. It's right on Lake Victoria. And so it's just beautiful. And we were cruising. And I was just like, man, I'm so happy to be here. This is the best. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, all right, well, that's it for the paved road. And they turned off. It was like. <laughs> <laughs> and I was immediately my wife and I looked at each other and I was just like, what have we done? Like it was so it was just like, oh, my gosh. But you get used to all that really quick. I mean, yeah. you get used to that. You get used to power cutting in and out and stuff like that. All that stuff. You, you adjust to that fairly quickly. Uh, but uh, I loved Tanzania. I mean, Tanzania is a beautiful place. Beautiful place, beautiful people. Oh, that's so cool. You ask about reverse culture shock. Yes. I I will say I had legit culture shock in Tanzania. Mm-hmm. I'd never been one to really be homesick. Hadn't lived at home for years and years and years. And when I got over there, I did find it to be I, I, I really struggle with that. So I would say this to any international students that are listening. If you are struggling with culture shock, if you've just arrived, no shame in that. Come talk to us in ISS. There's also the Counseling Center if you need to talk to somebody, but there's absolutely no shame. It is a natural thing to have mm-hmm. culture shock. Definitely. Uh, I did not have much reverse culture shock, and I have a armchair psychiatry or theory on that. Uh, because I couldn't learn the language, I couldn't get deep into the culture. Um, My wife did learn the language and she was able to get much more in depth into certain projects. So mm-hmm. she she did just one or two projects for the three and a half years that she was there, really in depth wow. and worked there for a while. I had to bounce around. I still worked with a woman. Her name was Constancia Imbagoma. I worked with her. So I was like her sidekick, but she spoke fluent English. So mm-hmm. I functioned completely in English. And so I had to bounce around to different pro- projects that spoke English. So while when we came back, my wife, who had been able to get a little deeper into the culture, she had more culture shock coming back than I did. Okay. I kind of got right back into it and didn't really struggle. I got back, and two weeks later, I was sitting in my new office at USC. Like, I just had to get right huh. back into it and such. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really have a lot of reverse culture mm-hmm. shock. But the one thing that I do remember stressing me out, though, is I realized that we were going to have to get a new phone and reviewing phone plans and smartphones and oh, all this, goodness. you know, 4G technology cool. and all that kind of stuff. I remember I was, I just was looking at it and I just remember shutting my computer and looking at my wife and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm having the first, I did say, I was like, I'm, <laughs> I'm having my first little bit of culture shock here because this is all stressing me out. I don't even know what any of this stuff mm. is. That's insane. So thanks to my in-laws for letting us just jump on oh, as a family plan. <laughs> I, I love just, that. We I love didn't that. have to make the decision. They helped us out there. So. That's so awesome. Yeah. So what was the first thing that you noticed in Tanzania that just kind of shocked you? Um, when well, you... it was the condition of the road when we pulled yeah. off that road. <laughs> I mean, Second for sure. Second thing then, uh, <laughs> or with people specifically. Um, just, I mean, oh, first thing, I mean, I, I mean, this isn't necessarily with people, but I, I, it's interesting how much, how much nature still plays a part in life there like if it rains everything just stops until the rain stops wow. and then everybody gets going like here it's kind of like oh, i'm sorry that it's super late i mean it's, it's raining hard but you need to get to where you need to go and you got to keep to your schedule but like mm-hmm. life is much more flexible there mm-hmm. you're you're 
personal and your business are much more merged. And so mm-hmm. I, I just, I really like that. I miss that. That's and that's one thing to realize is, you know, that everything is mm-hmm. a lot less structured. Mm-hmm. So it makes like you have the ability to kind of do what you need to do to mm-hmm. live your life. Uh, and I mentioned the nature. I, I just, I don't know. It was, it was interesting. Like it'll rain and everything will stop and then it'll, a road will wash out and everyone will just be like, well, we got to figure out another way to get around that. And, you know, and it's just like here, we, certainly we still have weather and stuff, but I feel like we just kind of plow through it while there, it's just much more of a, a reality of life. I don't I know. Really People. Like yeah. That was, that's one of the first things that I remember. Yeah. Um, you told a story during my intercultural training about you were going to meet a friend and it was just kind of how we rush so much here. And I don't know if you remember no. this. No, story, no, no, I know what you're But I would about. love for you <laughs> to tell. I definitely tell, led your training because you're. I would love us. for you to tell. Because I told my mom when I got done. I just thought it was so interesting because I've never been to Africa before. And honestly, here, I hang out with a lot of international students, but mostly far, like European or Asian students. Like, I, we just, I haven't met a lot of Africans here, so I would love for you to tell that story. I found it, it super cool. Was it the story where we were having a meeting at my house? I, I think so. Up? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah that sorry. was it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so the, the preface to the story is I was homesick with malaria and an amoeba infection, <laughs> and I felt really ill. And when you... I mean, those two things in combination with the medicine that cures the amoeba, pretty miserable. And my boss, who I just mentioned, Constancia in Bogoma, uh, she said that she wanted to have a meeting at my house. She's like, we just need to have a little meeting. We don't want to make you come out, so we'll just come to your house. And we want to check on you anyway, because that's a very common thing, that you you go check on people and you make visits. So um, I was like, that's fine. So I was feeling really sick. Coworker shows up, I let him in. Another coworker shows up, I let them in. So so I'm all I want to do is like be in bed and <laughs> left alone, but I'm suddenly like hosting people in my house, which is a, which is a very different cultural thing as well. Like if you were to go to someone's house and say, "Oh, I want to see Chris. I heard he's really sick," and they say, "Well, Chris is asleep," and we're like, "Oh, well, here's a casserole. Tell him I came yeah. by," and you would leave. But there. They'll just wait until you wake up. (laughs) So the people were there. And so I came out and was talking with them. And then uh, the meeting time came and I texted and was like, hey, are you are you anywhere near? And she's like, yes, yes, I'm coming. I'm coming. Tell everyone to wait. I'm like, "Okay." So we waited. Uh, Text again later. And I'm like, hey, we're we're all here. What's what's going on? And she's like, no, 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 it's fine. I'm on my way. I promise. I'm just on my way. I saw so-and-so. I had to talk to them. I'm on my way. Don't, don't have anybody go anywhere. Fine. Uh, long story short, three hours until she showed up. So I had company in my house for three hours that I was entertaining while, yeah, while feeling terrible. And, uh, and then she showed up, and she said, well, it's gotten late, and we don't really have time to have this meeting. So what I really wanted everyone to be here for is I got a small cake because it's Sister Jenny's birthday. And so she just wanted us to stay to, like, celebrate uh, this woman's birthday, which is lovely. That is. That it's is. a lovely thing. But that was – if I didn't have an amoeba infection. So that's that was an interesting 
a good kind of an extreme case but like yeah. that's you know like that that would have happened very very different in the United States yeah. there's so much Tanzanian or the, the people that I lived among the, the ethnic group of the Sukuma or the dominant group where we live so there's so much Sukuma culture in that involving like what to do how to how to interact with people that are sick community support that whole idea of like business and personal interest kind of overflowing, you know, like kind of mingling there, the, the whole view of how to be hospitable to guests. And yeah, yeah. so just, it's, yeah. It's fascinating because our time, I don't know, here everyone's so rushed to get everywhere. And we really, like even in France when I went, we spent six hours having a meal. And we went, yeah. like it was probably three in the morning. And we were like, oh, you know, everyone might need to go. It's getting kind of late. And it was like all these older people. I think we had 10-year-olds there. It was just a whole wide group of, of ages. And, uh, yeah, we just talked for forever. And no one was trying to rush to get anywhere. And everyone was just kind of relaxed. So it's just so different. Um, but I think we're going to jump into some more music, which okay. is super exciting. And then when we come back, we'll talk about your music which is super fun because sometimes people forget what they put on their playlist but thankfully he's made a list so we are going to chat about him but we will be right back and keep it locked all right everybody welcome back to passport playlist we just had, let me see, four tracks that we just listened to, all of which are awesome. I think I added like two of them to my personal library as like we were listening to it because our guest just picked such a wonderful track. Um, but first, you have some shout outs you have to make too because your phone has been blowing up during the break with family who want shout outs. I have to give a shout out to my mom who is listening and has been texting me saying, <laughs> give me a shout out. Don't forget about me. So yes. And your mom said that she liked the show. Yes. So we All are, we're making moms happy today. Yeah. I mean, honestly, they're just so blessed to have us. But <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're blessed to have them. But um, so Two-way street. We're all blessed. Yeah. We're just, we're just a blessed bunch. It's really great. But okay. So the music that we just listened to. You, you can look at your list. He is ready and prepared to go. All talk right. to us about it. So that very first track. So I'm going to talk about all the music we listened to. That very first track that we listened to was called You Can Run. And that is by Cheyenne Kuti. That is from his album From Africa with Fury Rise. That's the 2011 album. Now, he is one of the two sons that is active in the Afrobeat world. They are the sons of Fela Kuti, who we do have a track later on from Fela Kuti. Is Fela Kuti a man or a woman? Uh, it is a man. He's the father of what's considered Afrobeat, the, the Afrobeat movement. He's considered the father. Him and uh, Tony Allen were like the big names that came out of that. But there's a lot of really big names in the Nigerian music scene that came out of that. So um, there's uh, Shayun and Femi. Femi is the older brother, and they both have musical careers following in their father's footsteps. Mm -hmm. But uh, Shayun has, he actually took over Fela Kuti's band at, when Fela died. Uh, he took over the band, so a lot of the musicians that he has recorded with are actually the same ones that his father was recording with. So that was the first track. The second track was Amadou and Mariam from their 2008 album Welcome to Mali. That is, I don't, I'm going to butcher this, Masa Daladi. Masa Daladi. I love mm -hmm. that track. It's got a great build up. 
The third track was Dibanj. That was the song Oliver Twists from mm-hmm. 2012. That is also from Nigeria, but that is like the soundtrack to my time in Tanzania because that yeah. was the big single that was playing, and that thing was bumping from every dollar dollar bus, everything yeah. that was playing music. That was like you Shape of You by Ed Sheeran, but for Tanzania. There you go. There exactly. you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then this last few we listened to, that was uh, Roboti from Wuzu. That's a new mm-hmm. track from 2019. That was from Tanzania. I, I just came upon, upon that recently, and I really like that track, and I like him. Then the track after that was Tumani Jibati, uh, Jibati Symmetric Orchestra. So Tumani Jibati Symmetric Orchestra from the 2006 album Boulevard of Independence. You mm-hmm. speak French. You could have done it. It's in French, but it's Boulevard of Independence. Uh, mm-hmm. And that song was called Africa Challenge. That is one of my favorite albums. And we were talking that about the fact favorite. that it sounded Latin and specifically, specifically Cuban, Cuban because Molly has a huge musical connection mm-hmm. with Cuba. Um mm-hmm. And then do we want to talk about the yes, Buena Vista the Social Buena Club? the Buena Vista Social Club. Lots of people, myself included, love that band. It's I listen to so much Latin music, especially Cuban music, because I'm a Spanish minor. I love the language. But, like, Cuban music is just so good. I have such an affinity for it. And I was listening to this, and I was like, my God, this sounds so Latin, specifically, like, like Cuban or, like, Caribbean, you know? And then you brought up, like, a really interesting fact. So... Yeah, the story behind that. So there was originally, because of that connection between Mali and Cuba, the original plans was to fly a bunch of Malayan artists to Cuba to record an album. Mm -hmm. And for various reasons, the Malayan musicians could not get their visas. And so Mm -hmm. the artists, the, the, uh, the, like the studio had booked studio time and they had all these session musicians and they were like, well, what's the plan B? And they said, well, why don't we go and find some of these big name kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. classic artists and get them to record some songs. So they went and pulled together as many artists as they could. And that is what became Buena Vista Social Club, which is of course like a global phenomenon in world music. That was just such a huge, yeah. So much music. Grammy winning and everything. Yeah. So, so, uh, years later, they managed to pull it off and get the Malayan musicians over there. And mm-hmm. so there's another album called uh, Afro-Cubism, which is the the original mm-hmm. plan. So it's actually happy accident. I mean, I know that's, yeah. that everybody was, I know, very frustrated that the plans didn't work out. But we got I'm two amazing got albums. Kids, yeah, know? so it's great. And I would check out check out both of those albums. They're they're outstanding. So, like Cuarto um, de Tula is like one of my favorite songs of all time by Buena Vista Social Club. It's Oh, so good. I listen to it all the time and it just it peps me right up no matter what attitude yeah. I'm in. So like just listening to this song, just like, oh, it made me so happy. I was like dancing a little well, bit. Well, you need to, to listen to more stuff from Molly because it's all there. absolutely blast it in my room and piss off my roommates. Like, nice. I'm so ready for it. <laughs> uh, okay. Then the next song was, uh, again, probably going to butcher the pronunciation of this. Uh, in Como Zodwa. Mm-hmm. So that was Miriam Makiba, who is a major, major musician. Um, she died several years ago, but she was, uh, they called her Mama Africa because of how really? much she was just influential. She's from South Africa, so that's a South African song. Mm-hmm. Um, she was vocally anti apartheid, ended mm-hmm. up in exile for a while, um, oh, has wow. a very fascinating career, but she was a major like one of the first like big world music stars. So uh, I think 1960 is when her solo album came out, but this actually predates that. I, I don't have an exact date, but it is the late 
50s. So this was Miriam McKeever and the Skylarks. Mm-hmm. So it was basically like a girl band <laughs> that it was put together. But I love the music that they do. It's very fun and light and happy sounding like that. So that's why I picked mm-hmm. that one. And then the last one that we listened to was called Love is Just a Dream. That was Johnny Clegg and Jaluka. That was from 1993 album. So Johnny Clegg and uh, he, he had several different bands. He just died last year, I believe. So that he had a band called Jaluka, a band called Savuka. Um, very big important role because that was in the era of um, early on his earlier stuff was the era of apartheid and he was a multiracial band Mm -hmm. so there was blacks and whites playing together and he as a white musician was singing in Zulu so it was it was a big deal it was kind of in a lot of ways giving the finger to the apartheid yeah oh yeah 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 Yeah. so Johnny Clegg and Jaluka was Johnny Clegg and then uh, Sifo Oh, I wrote his name. Mchuma. Sifo Mchuma uh, was the artist that wrote a lot of the music with him. Mm-hmm. So that was a very important thing because they were playing music together. It was it was very much a challenge to the apartheid government of South Africa at the time. Nice. We love a song that has like a really rebellious past, you know? Like, I feel like that's such like a wonderful genre of music that's like just completely against the system. You know, mm. it's like good. It could be rock and roll. It could be any genre, but just something that like is standing up against the man. I just feel like there's something like within that music that just makes it a million times better. You know, you know, always yeah. willing to stand up for the man or against the man. But um, so we talked a little bit about your time in Tanzania mm-hmm. with your wife. Um, and that just sounds like it was so awesome. We talked about culture shock, uh, malaria, my God. Um, yeah. And so have <laughs> you found yourself like adopting like any Tanzanian habits? Oh, yeah. Or, like anything that's left over from your time? Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, I would say that I... While I, while I certainly don't think that I was not hospitable before, I, I do mm-hmm. think that the idea... Just how giving and hospitable mm-hmm. the the people, the Sukuma people, and I'm sure this goes across the board. I mean, there's so Tanzania has 126 different ethnic groups that speak their own My languages. God. Yeah, so uh, there's a lot of different culture in Tanzania. Sukuma is yeah. the, it's like 40. There's 126 mm-hmm. ethnic groups, and Sukuma makes up 40 percent of the population. So yeah. you can tell that they're pretty dominant. But um, I think that the hospitality would run across. The All groups, um, yeah. Uh, so I, I definitely, mm-hmm. I, I definitely feel that that's something where I've tried to like open my home and just be more willing. Uh, shortly after we got back, I got a phone call from the USCPD, and they were like, "Hey, there's this guy on the street, and he doesn't know, he doesn't really have anywhere to go, and he's literally it was eleven o'clock at night, and he's like, he's literally sitting on Pendleton Street in front of the Knack Building." with his suitcase and I was like okay I don't know what the deal is with this and I was just thinking it was you know it was a student and stuff yeah. ended up uh, he was a, a student from Burkina Faso his mm-hmm. name was Theo he was excellent student great mm-hmm. guy uh, great guy but I just I showed up there and he was from Burkina Faso and there's just been some mixed communication and he was just kind of happily sitting Aww. out there 
And that was the first time where I was just like, all right, I just got back from Africa and here's an African. I'm like, what would an African do? And I yeah, in this put him in the car and he stayed at my house until he got Aww. everything sorted out. So, um, yeah, just really being open and hospitable and embracing that, yeah. like, it's important to help people and to trust See people. the best yeah. in others. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. something. And then trying to trying to yeah. adapt more to, uh, you know, I talked about how it's nice that, like, Mm-hmm. Your your work life and your home life, everything just kind of flowed together in a much more organic way. And I, I try yeah. to, to do that. I mean, obviously, I work a yeah. nine-to-five job in an office, but I, mm-hmm. I try to... But you also let students right. crash with you when <laughs> right, yeah. some miscommunications happen. Yeah. And honestly, that guy, he sounds like, like such a bean, you know? Like such like a... like A bean is like somebody who's just like really like pure, just like adorable. That's like <laughs> some like... Jargon that the youngsters yeah. are using these days. Okay. Well, then, like, yeah, he was just, he was a bean. Yeah, like <laughs> if like a young person like just calls you a bean, that's a really good thing. It just means they like they just adore you. You know, being a bean is a very good thing. Well, he was a bean indeed. <laughs> you should like if you have any contact left with them, just be like, I found a word to describe you. But um, so what like do you miss from Tanzania? Like, a lot of people, whenever we ask them, it's like, what do you miss from, like, the country that you traveled in or that you lived in? Um, but, like, and they'll be like, oh, like, my friends, my family. We're looking for materialistic things here, okay? <laughs> like, we want to know, like, for me, when I traveled to Thailand, there were, like, these, like, little, like, yogurt milk drinks that were really good. I cannot tell you the name of them because I do not speak or read Thai, but I could recognize them, and they were so good. And the ramen was so much better. Just like the package of ramen that you could get from a gas station, usually a 7-Eleven, by the way, because in Bangkok, so many 7-Elevens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so many. But like, yeah, big what, in Asia. Yeah. Seven, yeah. Uh, what's something that I miss? Oh, I mean, if you're talking about objects, I... Mm-hmm. Products, goods. I miss chips my eye, which what's is basically um, a, an... French fry omelet. I would get them on the street all the Ooh, time. That yeah. would be really I good. I miss that. I would eat those all the time. People do yeah. crazy Chips things my with eye. French fries in different cultures, and I love it. Yeah. Chips my eye and a cold bottle of Pepsi or Coke. I love Pepsi over there. Pepsi really? or Coke. Does I it taste that. different than American Coke? Uh, yeah, a little bit. A yeah. little bit. Because like, people say that like Mexican Coke is the best Coke. Yeah. And, like, it's made differently in yeah. different countries. Well, like, yeah, they don't use corn syrup. They use actual sugar. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, so I miss that. Uh, I mean, I of course I do miss the people. Mm-hmm. I miss I miss Mrs. Magoma. I think about her all the time. I miss her. Who's that? She's the woman that I work for. Oh. Yeah, I miss her. Do you still keep in contact with her? It's hard. Uh, she's yeah. not really super easy tech savvy. To, yeah. Yeah. I miss I miss all the people that I work with over there. Yeah. yeah, I mean the the people that I met over there. Yeah. yeah. Um uh also I miss I I mean I I liked I liked going out into the more rural areas. Yeah. I do miss that really being in there. The city that I lived in had some charms to it, but I was not in love with the city in a lot of ways because of mm-hmm. just some of the circumstances that we were in. Um, but anytime we could go out and drive a couple hours out into mm-hmm. like really, really out into the rural areas, 
where you know they brought you water in a bucket and you had no electricity at yeah. night and stuff like that. Like that was that was stuff was hard to adjust to at first, but man, I loved it after that. It's like so a little bit more was, salt of the earth, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I had the whole experience. Like by no means when I say I lived in Tanzania, I was not living in like a little shack out in the middle of nowhere. Like I had a house yeah. and I had internet and a phone and I would go into town and eat mm-hmm. pieces of cake at a bakery. Like I mean, it was a it was a city. And so so I had the whole gamut there, but I really did like to kind of. Mm-hmm be able to move between those two. And I like the fact that we were just two and a half hours away from the western gate of the Serengeti. I miss the animals. I do miss that. What animal, like, were you just so shocked to be able to see in real life? Well, all of them. All of them? Uh, But monkeys in your backyard is a fun one. Yeah. I feel like that would, like, cause issues. Hedgehogs. We had hedgehogs hedgehogs? that lived in our yard. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's so cool. But my favorite animal of all. I mean, you have all the beautiful, and you have the lions and the mm-hmm. giraffes and the rhinoceros and all, I mean, the all these, ones. the big five. I mean, all these beautiful things. But my favorite animal was the warthog. I love the, the warthogs. <laughs> They're super cute. They Can't ran. Can't those kill you? Well, I mean, all of those things can kill you if well, you're yes, messing but like, with them. <laughs> they're the ones that, like, will, like. I don't know. The ones you I was won't way more scared would. of mosquitoes than I was of any of those it's animals. Like, <laughs> see, it's like, like a lion. Or like a rhino or something. Yes. I would expect like, yeah, they're big. Like the lion has like some sharp teeth, like stay away. But like you don't expect to get like, like run at by Pumbaa, you know? Right. Well, I, I was never run at by Pumbaa. Okay, I that's did, good. I did go camping in the Serengeti and have a lion in the campsite. I so may that was, And I had a baboon yeah. climb in the car with me. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was scary. Did it just chill in the passenger seat? There was two of them sitting in the passenger seat next to me, and my friend came up to the window and was saying something Mm -hmm. to me. It was his fault. He left the door open. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And then he he just gave a look and uttered something that I'm pretty sure I can't say on the radio at this moment. And I turned (laughs) and looked, and there was two uh, baboons sitting next to me. And I screamed (laughs) and jumped out, and then we chased them out. Yeah. It was very funny. Uh, But, no, I love the warthogs. The warthogs are adorable because they have little baby warthogs that run behind them in a trail. And when they run, they are super fast. Warthogs are insanely fast. Oh, yeah. And they just have these little, like, (laughs) like they they have these, like, little dainty feet when they run, and their tails stick straight up when they run. I love it. Anyone you can talk to... I got a moped and it's got a sticker on it that says I love warthogs on the back of it. You, it's it's I true. I may have just been like a little bit scarred because I don't think it was like a warthog, but I think it was like the, you know, European version. Um, I watched Outlander and like, spoiler alert, <laughs> it's not like a major like plot point or anything, but like they went on a hunt for like a hog or something that had like lots of like horns and stuff. And then like one of them like got like, impaled or whatever and it was like really gross and graphic and now i have a huge fear of them (laughs) and i'm just like i don't mess with any pigs now because like my dad used to like live on like a farm and they used to have pigs and stuff and like if you lost a pig it would like wind up like a couple months later like a pretty little pink pig can like turn like into a hog in like a minute it'll like its fur will turn black it'll like get ridge like a ridge back it will go savage so fast babe yeah. Will not stay babe forever in the wild. Absolutely not. Have you ever seen the second babe movie? We're going I have off topic. Not. You need to watch it. It's one of the strangest <laughs> movies I have ever seen. Really? It is one of the darkest and strangest, most surreal movies I have ever seen. I kind of need to watch that you do. now. Because I never would have thought as babe two as being so wild. dark. Okay. Well, um you back were just talking yes, back to the topic. <laughs> 
I'm still going to have Babe 2 in the back of my mind forever now. But um, so you're talking about like going out a couple hours out of the city. Mm -hmm. Uh, What places would you suggest for somebody visiting or moving to the um, to Tanzania to be and why? And like something like maybe like that could be touristy or something that's a little out of the usual. Hmm. Uh, Go to Zanzibar. Zanzibar is absolutely beautiful. What is Zanzibar? Zanzibar is the island. It's two Ooh. islands uh, that are off the coast mm-hmm. of the right uh, right across from Dar es Salaam, which is the capital. Uh, Zanzibar is lovely and beautiful and old mm-hmm. and very Omani because it was an mm-hmm. Omani sultanate for a while before mm-hmm. independence. Uh, the Zan in Zanzibar is where the Zan in Tanzania comes from because the mainland oh. was Tanganyika and Zanzibar was of course Zanzibar and when uh, one got independence in 61 the island got independence in I think 63 and then in, in the, I can't remember 63 or 64 they merged and that's when they are Tanzania that's why they have that as the name that's uh, so you, smart. yeah so you should go to there and it's lovely and wonderful um, you should definitely do the Serengeti I wish that I'd gotten mm-hmm. to more of the parks there but you should do the Serengeti Here's my tip for anyone. Go ahead and throw the cash down. Do not go budget on your safari. That is 100% worth Mm -hmm. it. If you're going to pay a couple of thousand bucks for a safari, you are going to have a good safari. You want someone Mm -hmm. that knows what they're doing and good equipment. And, like, takes care of the animals. Takes, yeah. and They don't get too close. Right, yeah. So um, a good guide will make or break your safari. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so that's that's some tip right there. Um, yeah. A lot of a lot of people that travel and go over there to visit go to Arusha, which mm-hmm. is in Arusha and Moshi are in the the kind of northeast. That's right around Kilimanjaro. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on the western side, so I was on Lake Victoria and Mwanza, and. Uh, either of those are good good places to jump off. Uh, in between, the, so there's. The Serengeti, and then there's Lake Manyara. Mm-hmm. That's another park that you can go to, or Manana, Manyara, Manyara. Uh, Probably Manyara. You know, Manyara is Spanish, yeah. Yeah, something else. <laughs> uh, in the middle of that is the Ngorongoro Conservation Area, which has the Ngorongoro Crater. You should definitely go see that as well. It's amazing. It's this massive old volcanic crater that collapsed Ooh. and has this entire ecosystem. That's and Maasai cool. that live down in there. It's fascinating. They don't live down there, but they can go down there. They have grazing rights to take their animals down into really? there. But it's it's really fascinating. And also Olduvai Gorge is mm-hmm. in the Ngorongoro Conservation Area. That's mm-hmm. where the leakies found all of the footprints and everything from the Australopithecus and all of that. So, wow. uh, yeah, it's, it's very cool. So you can hit all those in the northern part. But there's so many other places to go that, that I didn't get so to see awesome. in Tanzania. Well, uh, we were also wondering, this is a little bit of a left turn, but like stereotypes when you got to Tanzania, like were any, did like anybody tell you that they had certain stereotypes like when you got there about Americans? Oh yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Um, did you I mean, make or break any of them? Oh, who knows if I, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> they, I mean, there's the assumption, uh, I mean, so it is worth noting that if I had been in the capital city of Dar es Salaam, where there's major international businesses and universities and all of that, mm-hmm. there would have been a very different environment. But I did yeah. live in a small neighborhood that was specific working with these like smaller clinics and stuff. So mm-hmm. I was talking to people that didn't necessarily have a lot of uh, opportunities to, to talk to 
white mm-hmm. people, essentially. Yeah. Mzungu or Wazungu for mm-hmm. plural is what they called. So there was a lot of people that really had never met anybody and they would assume that we were um, very, very wealthy, which we are not. But yeah. uh, relatively speaking uh, to them, yeah. I was... Uh, to to these people in the neighborhood that we lived in. That would have been the case that we would have uh, had more resources than they would have had. Um, uh, Let's see, another stereotype. Uh, They, they, they would call, that's one thing that they would call uh, Wazungu and Mzungu, which Mm -hmm. was funny at first because it's like a quirky thing. You're kind of like, Oh wow, this is really funny. Everybody says this, but it gets real old after a while. And I would try to explain that like, it's not fun to walk down the street where you're already Mm -hmm. obviously standing out and having everyone around screaming white person. (laughs) You know, that was, uh, and I talked to somebody one time and I was just like, we would not, I was like, you do realize that that's very annoying. And they're like, well, what would you do? If I was walking down the street, you would just probably yell at me like black person. And I'm like, no, 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 we would it's like not. like we're from the South, no. but still. No, 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 we would not say that. Uh, that's not how. And, and she was we like, would say, hey, how that. you doing? Right. What yeah. church you go yeah, to? I was like, we don't. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was saying like, we wouldn't do that. So that was that was one thing that I, I ran into several times that people were legitimately yeah. surprised that they that at least from our perspective, that that yeah. that. It kind of became a little bit offensive. Yeah, people would like point and like say something. And at first I was like, I turned to my uh, brother's girlfriend and I was just like, can you translate like what, what they just say? And they're like, oh, they called you a white person. Or like mm-hmm. it like, means like foreigner, but usually it means like like white person. And I'm like, oh, exactly. Oh, okay, that's it's weird. Exactly and then fair. like it got to the point where like people would just like say it so much. I just, she'd like start to be like, oh, they called you a white person again. But like, I know, I know, yeah, I'm I li- aware. The neighborhood that I lived in was we lived in this house for like over two years mm-hmm. and every day when we would walk out the gate, these kids would all gather and just stare at us. And I'm like, I'm your neighbor. You see me <laughs> multiple times a day. But, um, but again, that if I lived in the major city yeah, of Dar Salaam, that wouldn't have happened at all because there's much more. Um, I mean, and it's not like, I mean, there was Indians and there were Arabs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a pretty diverse mm-hmm. city, but yeah. definitely the less the American, yeah, yeah. Americans and Europeans were yeah. not, so much there so that that was an interesting thing that type of thing is like also like really common i think in asia because like i've heard stories from both like white people and black people if they like go to asia like people will stop and take photos with them sometimes they won't even ask to take a photo with you they'll just take a photo with you yeah there's so or many like, photographs of me floating down t- around yeah. in tanzania i have no idea <laughs> exactly and then like poor like black people they sometimes can't walk through certain Asian countries and people will like, I mean, this happens like in America too, but like, it's more like common. Like people will just go to touch their hair Mm, and I'm just like, no, 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 (laughs) no, no. And it's just, it's so crazy because we live in a country that's like so much more like, or less homogenous. And we don't like think of other cultures as being like less racially diverse than us. We're just like, ah, everybody has this. But then, like, one of my friends brought, like, a Japanese exchange student in high school to, like, live with him. I was walking around, and she's like, I've never seen this many, like, white people and black people and, like, Latin people before. And I'm like, my mind was blown. Right. I did not think about it, my little 15-year-old self. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean everyone doesn't have the same experience as me? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, so, last but not least, in regards to Tanzania. Mm-hmm. What do you want our listeners and Americans in general to just take away from this whole interview? 
like about Tanzania? Like, what do you want them to learn from this? Go to Tanzania. <laughs> go to Tanzania. <laughs> yeah, go visit it. It's beautiful. Go to Absolutely all beautiful. the places you just listed out. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. It's one of those beautiful places I've ever seen. Oh, you I know, go is. there and spend spend a couple of weeks there. The mm-hmm. the air. air uh, the airline ticket is going to be the most expensive cost. Really? So get over there and then nice. um, spend some time. Yes. It's real cheap over there. Get and to know some Get people. some great food, meet the people that mm-hmm. welcome you in. Learn it really is, is is great. That's beautiful. And go see those animals. All right. So I think we're going to spend our last 10 minutes or so listening to a little bit of music. I'd say the next three songs that we have coming up, if you'd like to kind of give us a quick little blurb about what they're about. Uh, Sure. Let's see. Let's get some. Well, we can. If, if you want to. Uh, the next song is actually, I think, from Fela Kuti. If we, I love that song, but it's kind of long. So if you want to get some songs in, if you want to skip mm-hmm. to the next one, that's called Mwanza. The next two songs are actually from Tanzania. So there's a song called Mwanza, named after the city that I'm that I lived in mm-hmm. by uh, Raveni and Diamond Platinum. This is another new song that wasn't out when I was there. That's from 2018. And then the next one is called Matusi Yanini, and that is by Mbaraka Mwishehe. That's an old Tanzanian artist. That song's from 1984. Um, yeah, that would be uh, two good ones to go out on. Okay. And then, yeah. All right, we'll go ahead and play those. Also, uh, if you were listening dur- during our last little music break, there was a moment where we had a technical difficulty and like the music cut out for like maybe two seconds. So just know all is well, all is rolling, everything's kicking now. Uh, so hopefully that doesn't happen again. I'm pretty Fingers sure I crossed. unplugged it by accident. Yeah, it's okay though. <laughs> it's okay that things like that happen, and we recovered in like two seconds because we're totally professionals here. But yeah, thank you everybody for listening to this semester's inaugural passport playlist. I feel like this interview really kicked it off with the bang. And we're very excited for all the guests we have lined up for this semester. So just remember to keep tuning in every week and uh, follow us on Passport Playlist on Instagram and (laughs) Facebook um, and watch for some regular updates. All right, everybody, keep it locked on WSE in HD1 Columbia.